Blog Talk Radio. time with Pastor Steph. Things will go from good to bad. Things will go from bad to good. Things will go from good to great. And things will go from bad to worse. Oh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. What a conversation. We talked about your emotional stability. How that changes. Now, the soap have been married since 1986. So we're talking about 36 years of marriage behind them. And I'm sure the emotional stability has definitely shifted. You know, they, they have three sons. Of course, they're all adults now. But, you know, how do you think that worked when they got together and there were no children and then as time went on they continued to have children and excuse me you know you definitely got some emotional issues going on going back and forth when you are dealing with 
a family that's growing and growing. Uh, they spoke about how, you know, uh, Pastor Brenda was separated on a job with, her, you know, from her family. Now, you can only imagine how the emotional stability shifts at that point. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful opportunity. But uh, be away from your family. Mm. Mm. What about it won't always be like this? Spending your money. Yes. You know, again, nobody had to worry about, you know, anybody else from the beginning. And then after a while, you know, I'm sure at times that money got tight, you know. Uh, Pastor Vincent talked about how he grew up, but he wasn't long. And Pastor Brenda's the same thing. You know, money wasn't really long. But you know what? They made it work. They made it work. You know, I, I just so enjoyed talking to them because we also kind of dove into secrets. Oh, it won't always be like this. You know, just talking to one another. How do we communicate with one another when we got things that we don't necessarily want to talk about? Uh, They also went into the fact that they could not talk about everything. And, you know, how they communicated with others when they needed to speak and just having the discernment for saying, you know, some things to one another and other times when they had to maybe keep something a little close to their chest. So, I mean, those are just a few of the things that we spoke about in that segment. It won't always be like this. And, you know, I had no idea when someone finally picked this particular topic, how this was going to turn out. Yeah, I, I didn't know whether we were going to get a couple that had been warring at one point or, you know, what we were, I just had no clue. And yesterday, it, it was it was a wonderful segment. Their personality went right along with the topic. Yeah, they were jovial. They were, they were really in good spirits. You know, they really, really, really started the morning off for us just in a wonderful, wonderful manner. And I really, really enjoyed them. Got wonderful reviews. They loved being on the show. And as a matter of fact, they've invited me to be on their show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I got an invite. They said they love my personality and they love my energy. Yeah. So that's wonderful. That's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for the hand claps. Thank you for the hand claps. So, you know, we could not finish off a Monday morning without the switch tip with Shanti. And this is tip number 136. Don't be afraid to help someone else be great. 
Yeah, that was a good one. You know, <laughs> we had just come from talking to two people who really helped one another be great. We have that opportunity to do so. Um, and it's up to us to seize that opportunity. Yeah. And I know sometimes people make it hard. I know sometimes people make it real hard as a pastor. Wow, there we go. There we go. As a pastor. You know, you really work hard. And, you know, it just don't always turn out like that. Beautiful. Um, as a friend, you work hard, you know, at helping to build one another's vision, you know, as a congregant, as a sibling, as a spouse. You know, you help someone else be great. And it don't always turn out the way you want it to. And it kind of sours you from, you know, going forward, moving forward in a person's life. What do you do? What do you do? When the opportunity presents itself again, well, you turn around and you try to help someone else be free. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't let jealousy get in your way. You know, sometimes you, you know, you don't want to have somebody because you wish you had what they what they had. You know, envy, uh, covetousness. Yeah, those things will help you just not do what you're supposed to do. So come on, come on, come on. You know, just think about this thing here. Helping someone else be great. That's 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 a tall order. That's a tall order. And sometimes you've got to know also when to step back and out of someone else's space. Ooh. Yeah. You got to really ask God for that level of discernment so you can make sure what you're investing in is what God really wants you to invest in. Oh, did I say something there? Well, I hope so. Because the switch tip was great yesterday. So, you know, I always got to come back and piggyback on the switch tip and, you know, I can't redo what she's done, but there's a lot to think about yesterday. All right. All right. Well, today is Let's Talk About It Tuesday Church Folk Day. And uh, I guess we have a lot to talk about. We'll find out. All right. So I want you to take some time. Go get that healthy breakfast. 
Go tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Seth is on. And make sure you go nowhere. Because we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Councilmember Myrtle Cole. I'm honored to be the first African-American woman elected to the San Diego City Council. February is Black History Month. At City Hall, we are highlighting two areas of significant contribution for this year's celebration. First, the role of music in black history. We are taking a look at some genres that constitute African-American music, from Negro spiritual to R&B to gospel and much more. Secondly, the City Hall Lobby exhibit will celebrate the beauty, brilliance, and bravery of black women. It highlights our amazing local trailblazers, and the achievements of women around the world. Please join me as we celebrate Black History Month in the city of San Diego. Good morning and good morning again Welcome back to Due Time with Pastor Steph And it's Let's Talk About It Tuesday Church Folk Day Ah, got some talking to do And uh, you ready? I hope you're ready I got some stuff that I want to talk about today A little different, a little different But interesting uh, topic especially being that we're in Black History Month uh, there's still people who are complaining that we have the shortest month in the year and some other people are saying well what you're complaining about at least we got a month and who cares if it's the shortest month just make it the most impactful month. You've got people who are, you know, they're kind of fighting a different fight. You know, you've got the social justice fighting and they're saying, well, go ahead and put it in Black History Month because social justice has something to do with the black people. And it just goes on and on and on. I mean, we don't it. There are going to be people that complain. There are going to be people that are okay with it. But after a while, there's nothing you can do about it anyway. So it's almost like, well, let's just get this party started. Let's just get this party started. Let's do what we need to do and enjoy the month. So I came across an article that talked about some of the things that people, black people, who are in interracial relationships get tired of hearing. And what I'd like you to do 
is send me anything. I don't care how crazy it is because nobody knows where it's coming from. Anything crazy that you ever thought of, or it doesn't have to be crazy. Anything you've ever thought of when you look at an interracial couple. Yeah, come on. I want to be... I want to be open this morning. It's all right. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I won't tell who said what. But what are some of the things that come to your mind when you see a black man with a white woman or when you see a black woman with a white man or, you know, a black individual with any other nationality? And they're in an intimate relationship. What are some of the crazy things you've thought of? What are some of the funny things you've thought of? What are some of the things you thought of that really made you kind of scratch your head and either, you know, ask or you just wondered about or maybe someone else has said to you, I, I'm I'm interested. I'm interested in knowing. And one of the things that they say that they're tired of hearing is maybe as a black woman with a white husband, you are often uncomfortable during your pregnancy because people kept telling you the baby would be super cute this, it would be mixed. And I've heard people say that. I've heard people say that. Yeah. You know, if she get, you know, now that she got a white man, you know, without she got a Puerto Rican man, you know, the baby's going to have this, baby's going to have that. Remember when we used this you know, here, you know, you were gonna have a <laughs> you were gonna have a baby with a white man or a Latino man or whatever man because your baby would have good hair. Remember that? Boy. People used to say some weird things. I mean, I don't hear it as much anymore maybe because I'm a little older and we have other issues that we're talking about. But I remember there were, back in the day, there were women who used to have babies for men because they wanted to have good hair. So that kind of goes along with this here concept that people said, you know, you know, if you had a baby with a white man, that <laughs> your baby would be like real cute. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've seen babies with, you know, black children with blue eyes, gray eyes. You know, think about all the mixed um, interracial entertainers like Vanessa Williams, you know, who has, you know, different color eyes, you know. Really beautiful young, you know, woman. Um, look at, you know, what what's her name? Michael Michelle. You know, 
another one who's from an interracial relationship. You know, when you think about women like that, and, you know, I guess if you thought, you know, if those parents thought that they were going to, you know, (laughs) marry men and they were going to come out super cute, the kids, well, those were two Halle Berry, you know, nice looking. What's her name? Um, Mariah Carey. You know, so, I mean, it's, there, there's evidence that that can happen. It doesn't mean that you can't be beautiful if you are not interracial. But again, we're talking about people who intentionally or people who look and say that that's what you were thinking about if you had a relationship with a man who was the opposite race. I don't know. Talk back to me today. You know, I'm sure I got some listeners on here who who really heard some of these things. And I ain't the only one who has heard this stuff. All right? So just talk back to me. Don't make me think I'm going crazy. Well, excuse me. They say (laughs) someone has heard, perhaps you're black, while your spouse is Latino, and you always roll your eyes when people ask if your families get along during the holidays. Wow. Wow. Now, that's new. That's new. Why would you need... Why would... Wow. Well, I guess, you know, when you think about the, the, the ethnic food, I've heard people ask that about like Jewish like if you were with a Jewish man I remember a uh, a Jewish man married a black woman and they were raising a little girl her name was Stephanie actually and <laughs> they it was interesting because I guess they had discussed this thing because he would celebrate all of the Jewish holidays. And, you know, he was talking to me about how he, you know, was trying to make sure she knew, the little girl knew her heritage and, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. And it's definitely something to think about because, you know, when you're black, you celebrate Christmas. And when you're Jewish, you celebrate Hanukkah. And, you know, how do you blend that? How do you blend that? I don't I don't know how you would blend that. But, you know, this is the kind of stuff you go through when you have these interracial relationships and holiday time comes around. You know, what holiday do you compromise on? Do you go to the family? And that's the one thing I never really heard him talk about. I never really heard him talk much about family, like extended family, like going to his mother's or his sister's or brother's or his wife. I know he said he had gone to the black church, and I know Gary Owens, the comedian, talks a lot about that. He's married to a black woman. And how he went to the Baptist church. <laughs> and what kind of 
experience he had, you know, when he first went, you know, the adjustment that was made. So, you know, they're talking about holidays and, you know, I'm talking about church and how do you share the time? Are there, you know, Thanksgiving, you know, what do you put on the table? I guess they're asking because even Caribbean, um, you know, they don't do uh, normally the turkey and all of that kind of stuff. They have a whole lot of other stuff on that table as well, where we as African-American people, we go for straight Southern cuisine. So, you know, that table gets loaded with all of the stuff that you want to eat for Thanksgiving. So imagine what it must look like when it's Latino or Jewish or, you know, two diff- different ethnicities. You got to have one big table to make sure all that stuff is accommodated. So, but... You know, for people to say this stuff to you is another thing. That's the other thing I was looking at. I was like, do you really say this to people? Well, someone said, as someone said, as a black man, you're sick of people always saying that you should have ended up with a black woman. While you have so much love and respect for black women, you fell for an Asian woman. And it's as simple as that. Now, I got to say, that is one of the huge issues that a lot of black women have. You know, how you end up with a white woman or how you end up with an Asian woman or how you end up with this or that. And on the flip side, you have black men who have this, if they're still saying that word, disrespected the black woman and you know I'll never marry a black woman they too black they roll their neck they they pop their necks they roll their eyes they suck their teeth they got too much attitude and you know the the black woman is like no you just want a white woman because she's weak and she won't stand up to you and you know she won't say what she really feels and You know, she just bows down to you, and that's what you want. You don't want a strong black woman. Woo! Talk about war. Straight up war when it comes to a lot of times when black women see black men with white women or Asian. Ooh, they get hot. And, you know, some black men are like, listen. I'm not like those brothers who you see and once they make it, because that's the other, that's the other issue, you know, that they, you know, they say when black men make it, they don't want no white, no black women. Now they want to get their money <laughs> to the white woman. Boy, talk about war. Oh, yeah. You want all hell to break loose? Yeah, let some black women see you with a white woman, especially athletes, entertainers, and they're like, I can't believe he, all he dates is white women. All he dates are women who aren't black, aren't black. 
Yeah. And some black men are like, listen, I don't, it's not that I don't like black women. I just love who I love. And it just happens to be, you know, a white woman or an Asian woman or, you know, some other woman that's not black. It ain't got nothing to do with who I like intentionally. I just happen to love her. And some women just ain't trying to hear that. Yeah, that's a real, you talk about a, mm, mm, something that's going to make somebody mad. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not a huge thing for me. My thing is, you know what, let people love who they love. You know, would it be good to see, excuse me, a good black man, you know, with a black woman and, you know, build up the black community. You know, some women think that, you know, they jump shit. And, you know, you were raised by a single black woman and your grandmama was black. <laughs> you should hear some of the stuff that comes out and maybe you have. You know, you were raised by black women, black aunts, black grandmothers. And now you don't want to be bothered with the black woman. You know, you, you saw your black mother struggle. You should be in it, you know, stick it out. I don't know if you want to put that on a on person, you know, well, because they were raised by a black woman and a black grandmama and black aunt, that they should have to be black, you know, stay black. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you want to put that on a person. Now, why, 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 <laughs> why, why do you want to, you know, enforce <clears throat> who he loves or he should be obligated to only look at black women because he was raised by black women. And if he falls in love with someone who's not a black woman and he decides or wants to marry her, now he's looked at as jumping ship. I don't don't think, you know, you know, yesterday I spoke about, you know, when God calls women, you know, to be a deacon and a pastor and a bishop and who, who's, who, is, who is man to say that you can't be these things if God has spoken? You know, they go to scripture and they say, uh-uh. You know, because he's a, 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 he should be a husband to one wife. And because he, it says he should be a husband to one wife, that means that it X's women out. Okay. Well, that's the same way it is for the black man and the black woman. You know, because, you know, history has it where that's just the way it mostly has been that you shouldn't be moving around. <laughs> but who are we to say? Who are we to say? We we don't have that say over someone else's life and, and who they should marry and you know you listen, you as as we can see from the news, you got messed up people in all nationalities. So, 
listen, whoever you pick, just make sure he's a good man. Just make sure she's a good woman. And I want to take it a step further. Just make sure they're a godly man or woman. Because these days and times, you don't want to get hooked up with anybody who's not going to be a man. That's going to be a job. God would really have to say to you, you know, hey, this is who I have for you. Because... If not, you're going to end up with some mess. You're going to end up with some mess. All right? So that was just an interesting article, and I thought I'd bring it up this month. (laughs) You know, and and I'd love to, uh, I'd love to really have a conversation about that one day. Other than just with Stephanie. (laughs) All righty. Well. Speaking of our children, (laughs) nice little segue, right? Not really. You know, we've been talking about this little six-year-old boy um, who's been wreaking havoc in the school with his little gun, you know. Well, there's another incident. There's been another incident with a child in elementary school who has been wreaking havoc with a gun. So this this woman has reported that there was a child who threatened her son by sending him a photo and a video of him holding a gun. And again, you know, it's almost like a trend. When you see one news story, all you now have is a whole bunch of stories coming out about the same thing. And the schools, I don't know why you just don't learn from another report because the news gets around, especially within the school system. I don't care whether it's the same state or uh, district, it gets around. And all we've been hearing is how these schools have been dropping the ball. So you have this mother, somehow or another, her child got into something, he's seven years old, and somehow or another, he ended up with an 11-year-old sending him a photo and a video of him holding a gun, and the mother reported it to the school. And, of course, what do you think happened? Nobody did anything. They dragged their feet. Now, the school says that they didn't become aware of it until, you know, the end of the day. But even when they did become aware of it, they did not report it properly. So the principal sends a note out uh, to all the parents, letting them know what happened. But they did not report it to the district. So they somehow or another law enforcement got involved and the district started working with law enforcement and yeah they said that the the reason why the, the, the principal reported it to all the parents 
was because the kid had the gun on the school bus. Now, I'm, I'm, after the parent of the student who had the gun, because he, he was bullying the child with the gun. But the one thing I'm not hearing in either the six-year-old story or this 11-year-old story, that nobody's charging the parent. They say they don't know how he got the gun, you know, how he got a hold to the gun. There's nobody saying anything. And I'm just trying to figure out why nobody's holding these parents accountable. Because we surely know that whether they're showing up in school with the gun, whether they're, show, whether they're showing these guns on the video or photo, like they say in this particular case, that, hey, the parents have the gun. So what is the issue here? Why isn't why isn't that the issue? Why isn't that the issue? I've yet to hear this happening. So now they're trying to get to all the parents and now they're trying to do what they need to do um to see how they can correct this issue and again they took about privacy laws so they can't release the child's name. No, start releasing the parents' names. See, they don't want to release the parents' names because if you release the parents' names, that's good. As, that's as good as releasing the child's name. But my thing is, listen. If they bringing guns to school, why are we worrying about protecting them? I don't understand. What are you protecting? Because had those guns gone off, you wouldn't have been able to protect anybody student or faculty. So why am I worrying about calling out a name? That that's not making a whole lot of sense to me. Call me crazy. But I'm sorry. That that's not making a whole lot of sense to me at all. I'm looking at both uh incidences. You know we talked about this six year old for a while, but yet again I'm not seeing anyone anyone talking about these parents or putting somebody in jail for having the gun, for having the gun where these children can get a hold to it because they should be charged with not only endangering the welfare of the child that was carrying the gun and got a hold to the gun, but endangering the welfare of the children who were in the school. Now, you know, Maybe somebody might say I'm going a little too far, but no, I think if you start doing this kind of stuff here, that they'll get a whole lot better with doing this, you know, doing, doing, uh, putting these guns up. I don't know. That's just Stephanie. Well, there's a, <laughs> a TV reporter and they have, the police have been charged with attacking him, arresting him unjustifiably, 
and just beating them up pretty much and not to the point of you know like they've done the other gentlemen because you can't do that with this one because he's right in front of the camera so you really will be all jacked up but regardless of the fact that's what they did with him so you've got this uh what is his name evan lambert and he's not only a black reporter but He's a gay reporter. And he was doing his job. He was at a press conference. And there was some huge, in Ohio, there was some huge occurrence um, with some explosion. And some toxic gas was released. And, you know, they were doing this press release with the governor. And all the you know, reporters and everybody was there. And somehow or another, this particular Evan Lambert was in the back of the gym where they were holding the press um, the press conference. And they said he was talking too loud. So when they approached him, he did lower his voice, they say. At least the people that around him said. And somehow or another... They said that the cops walked up on him and, you know, told him to shut it down. Now, here's the thing. The governor who was holding the press conference, he didn't complain. As a matter of fact, he had no idea what was going on because this was going on in the back of the gym. He was in the front of the gym. So somehow or another, they walked up on him. This escalated. They ended up grabbing him, dragging him out the room, violently throwing him on the ground. And this is right in front of everybody. They handcuff him with his hands behind his back. They've got him laying on the ground. And they, <laughs> now they're in this big, you know, uh, story, if you will. Because of, again, the way they're handling people. So the reason why I added the latter fact that he was gay, because you know good and well. You know good and well. (laughs) Who's getting involved? And they're going to raise a ruckus about the fact that not only was he black, but he was gay and now they've got some type of um, vendetta against him, the police, that he was only, you know, uh, doing his job. And they say all the bystanders said that there was nothing he was doing, nothing. When they asked him to lower his voice, he complied. There was no reason for them to walk up on him. Um, remember we talked a little while ago about that interracial relationship and your children are going to look, yeah, well, that's him because they kept saying he was black and I was just, I was just trying to figure out how because he didn't look black to me. But he is. And this is going to be a big mess here because you know, like I know, once you get them involved, oh, they are going to stand up for their people they're going to make a lot of noise. And, I mean, 
if you're going to make a lot of noise, just make a lot of noise, period. Not just for your people. But this, um, the association of LGBTQ journalists, really, y'all? Yes, there's an association for everything. And they are now after the police <laughs> for doing what they did. And he's saying this is what the black people, this is what the black men felt like when they were being thrown to the floor. This is what it's like to be black, to be a black reporter in 2023, he also said. So, the police are in trouble again. Well, I got another story, which, as a matter of fact, I got two stories. Well, talk about Black History Month and this is the first year I'm I'm really hearing about a lot of children um, in the schools making fun of the black children during Black History Month. Now maybe I'm a little removed so you know maybe this has been going on a whole lot but last week we talked about in the school how they were serving chicken and waffles and you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they were apologizing for serving ethnic food during Black History Month. Well, yeah, they say that some children down in, well, down in, out in, excuse me, out in California have been punished because they brought cotton balls to school. And started handing them out to the black kids, mocking Black History Month. And they're angry again. Here we go again. The schools didn't move fast enough. The school didn't move fast enough. They're saying the school didn't move fast enough. They procrastinated. The principal procrastinated telling the parents that this is what happened. And now... The parents are in an uproar because they're saying that this is race, racial bullying and this is happening in the schools and it's in the middle school. So why can't you do something about it? They say the teachers are walking on eggshells trying to figure out. Now listen to this. Teachers have been walking on eggshells trying to figure out how to educate their kids on racism while not infuriating white parents who take every part of the curriculum personally. Well, it's the white people, kids, who's handing out the cotton balls. So why are you walking on eggshells? What is that supposed to be? You know what? Again, we always say if it were vice versa. Again, if this was the opposite, oh, it would be all kind of craziness going on. Suspensions and uh, uh, fines and yeah. So now the white kids are giving out cotton balls to the black kids and now they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. So that's one of the reasons why the, 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 the principal has been slow in doing what they were, what he or she was supposed to do. 
So they're saying that, you know, par- uh, the, the, the suspension, they don't think suspensions are going to really do anything. Because when they return to school, they just going to continue to be racial, race, racist. So does that mean you do nothing? Okay, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's the alternative. Do nothing because we can't figure out what's going on and what to do. So we do nothing. Well, I do want to talk about this here before we finish off. Remember, we've been talking about the the uh, the, the doctor who drove the car off the cliff. Remember and. The family was in the car, the two kids, I think like seven and eight or something like that, and the wife. Okay, then we did the story a couple weeks ago where the wife, they said that the wife said, he tried to kill us. Well, I don't know what's happened, but now the wife is begging the court not to prosecute her husband for driving them off the cliff in jail without bail after he pled not guilty. And they've always suspected that this was intentional. But they said because they so somehow or another there was a camera. Cameras are everywhere. Somehow or another, when we first did the story, they said there were cameras that showed it looked like it was an intentional drive off the cliff and when she spoke up and said he tried to kill us that confirmed what they suspected now she's begging them please do not um, prosecute her husband she doesn't say why and the interesting part is He's been forbidden to speak to them. Yeah. He has been ordered not to contact his wife or the children. So even in jail, he's not able to reach out to them. So now it's almost like they're, they're saying that it's that battered woman domestic violence syndrome where you are abused and then you kind of go back on your statement and the accusation because you don't want to see him suffer. You don't want to see him punished. So here you have this man. Y'all driving in the car with Y'all riding in the car with him. Before you know it, y'all going over the side of a cliff. You your four-year-old and your seven-year-old going off the side of the cliff. Only by the mercy and grace of God, they say the car hit the side of the cliff. But when it when it landed, despite the fact that it was mangled, not one of the four got hurt. Not one of them. And now, you asking that he not be prosecuted. Well, that's one of the reasons why the city and the state started picking up the abuse charges. Because 
they would get these, you know, cases and then she wouldn't show up to court or she'd go in and, and, and change her statement. Yeah, a lot of research I did. Um, remember, I've been doing a lot of domestic violence stuff. And so now they started picking it up and they were like, okay, you ain't got no say no more. Go sit down somewhere because we see the evidence of what he or she did. And now we're taking up this, this fight. We're now pushing the issue. Well, this is why. How did this man drive y'all off a cliff? Drive you off a cliff. Oh, my God. Rob you off a cliff, and now you talk about please do not prosecute him. You really think that you got some say right now? You did already said he tried to kill us. So, so, now, so now you all messed up. Because now you look idiotic. And you look like real brainwashed. So here's the thing. This is kind of proof that this stuff has been going on all along. Because that wouldn't be no first time. That wouldn't be no first time. I don't know. I don't know. When my do time crew at? It's time to talk to them because these people are just stupid. Real stupid. Let's say good morning to our Pastor Charlotte. Good morning, Pastor Charlotte. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I am well, thank you. How are you feeling? I'm okay. I'm okay. I want to apologize. And my phone keeps shutting off. So in case I get shut off, I'll be coming back, okay? Want to let you know. I don't know what's going on with this battery. All righty. Thank you for the apology in advance. Well, Pastor Charlotte, we got some things to talk about this morning. And I want to give you the option of talking about the cotton balls that the white kids are giving to the black kids in California or the woman who now wants to retract her statement uh, that her husband tried to kill her and her two kids, four and seven. Well, you know, wait Wait, wait, wait. Let's talk about both. Let's talk about both. Let's talk. We got a couple of minutes. Let's talk about both. Okay, let's talk about the white kids giving the black kids the cotton ball. Okay. Yes, if it was on the other side, they would have suspended us. They would have um, had people arrested. Um, nobody would be walking on no eggshells. Um, I thought that was very interesting, but, you know, with these schools now, um, I'm wondering, who do y'all have in charge? Like, from the principal on down. And why are you putting children in jeopardy? Right? Because all of these are children. So if you have some other kids that's coming in and bullying I thought that they was trying to stop all this bullying, right? So my thing is, you know what's going to – all you're doing now is dividing the children against each other. And now your parents, adults, let's say that, the adults, y'all are scared of the children. What happened to that the teachers and, you know, the adults was running things? 
every story that you're given now, uh, the kids are running everything. So are we supposed to be afraid of them? Because I want to know. Because well, I'm you know, class. <laughs> well, I did too. Because on this side of the fence, we were we we always been running back. I got a thirty seven year old, and I have to tell her sometimes. My name is on your birth certificate. Your name ain't on my birth certificate, and she almost forty. So I refuse to believe that a middle schooler would be telling me what to do. This don't go on on this side of the fence. Now, this is only. When it's them, and like you said, you know, here's there it's it's the animals running the zoo now. You know, you have the the, the whole mm-hmm. staff talking about they're working on eggshells because they are concerned about what the white parents are going to feel because they're a part of the curriculum. Well, is handing out cotton balls a part of the curriculum, Pastor Strawberry? Do you think so? Absolutely not. And I agree with you. Where are the parents? Let's bring every person. See, that's where those emergency meetings, when you got to come on in, because if you don't come in, your kid has to get expelled. Well, See, that was back in our time. I don't even think they do that no more. But come on in, and you want to have to explain, because these kids can't buy no cotton balls. You didn't notice in your cabinet that your cotton balls was missing? <laughs> Are you teaching your kids and allowing them to bring cotton balls and as high as stuff is right about now? Really? Okay. Oh, we would have a meeting. We would have a meeting, and it and it wouldn't be too too good. And that's where it comes in, because now the adults are going to come in, because now you're going to have that side, and you're going to have this side, and somebody got to explain. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, shifting gear, Pastor Charlene, you've had your share of abuse. And, you know, we've all had to talk to the uh, cop one time or two regarding this abuse treatment, abusive treatment. What say you about this woman who now, after being driven off the side of a cliff, Having to be pried out of a mangled car, she's yelled, my husband tried to kill us, and now she's asking that they not prosecute him for what he did. She's been threatened. Um, when he was talking about it, it made me think of that it was abuse, a lot of it, and where that I know that either somebody has come and told me that I don't need to say anything and what can happen to me. He doesn't, um, the husband don't have to talk to the wife or the children. There's people that's out here that he can contact and he can leave a word for for you to change, not only they will find you and then they will try to put you in a witness program in which, you know, 
adults don't want, our mothers don't want to really do that. Because if you tell on me, see, that was my experience. If you tell, coming to get you. But it don't necessarily have to be me. I was told uh, that. Wow. So weird that when you get to the courthouse, your story does change. He didn't mean it. You know, um, I know that's what I said. But like you say, then they take over the case. And when they take over the case, you have no say. But you're still going to get blamed for it. So now she's scared. And that's why she did it. Because somebody is always watching you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You're also talking about this nationality. Um, let me give you this name. I'm going to try to pronounce this name. Uh, his name is, I can't pronounce it, but let me, Darmesh Patel. So do I have to go any further? The women mm-hmm. are, yeah, right, and he got money. And the women mm-hmm. are nobody in this nationality. So it is nothing to believe that, no, he has an order that he can't talk to her or the kids. But I agree with you 100%. You better believe that there's been a message or two sent. And it, and it ain't even had to be a strong message. They don't even mm-hmm. know because already they're dominant in that nationality and the women are really, really quiet, you know, and and they're servants. That's it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So probably when she yelled, Pastor Charlotte, he tried to kill me. That was a a, a breath of fresh air for her because he probably tried to do that other time. But now, I agree with you. Now that somebody didn't got to her, oh, yeah, it's hush-hush now. It's hush-hush. It's hush-hush. Because mm-hmm. now it's, it's, you can't embarrass him. You can't embarrass the family. You can't talk about him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree with you 100%. Mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%. Mm-hmm. And also, not only just us, the, the wife and the children, I'm coming for everybody that you know. Mm. Wow. Yeah, one at a right. time, so you never know. That's that's what happens sometimes. Well, that's enough to shut you up. That's for sure. That's enough to shut you up. But thank you so much for joining us this morning. Let's say good morning to our Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor. Good morning. How are you doing today? Well, thank you. Well, thank you. How are you? I am blessed and highly favored of God. Amen. Pastor KL, yeah. we're talking about cotton balls being handed out in the middle school out in California. And the personnel, the teachers, they say, are walking on eggshells. Let me read you the exact quote so you and Pastor, Pastor Jeff can hear. Teachers have been walking on eggshells trying to figure out 
how to educate their kids on racism while not infuriating white parents who take every part of the curriculum personally. How? Well, I, I, I think, first of all, I'm, I'm mad that you just sent me cotton balls. Because if you wanted the teachers walking ahead and tell you, you should have brought me some wicks. If you really mm. wanted to go through black history, bring, bring, bring me a whip. And, and, mm. and I'll show you how to use this thing. Because if you remember at the end of Roots, we got the whip in our hand. So, so let's, mm. let's go straight through black history. Give me, give me the whip. And then you can definitely walk on it. You'll you be doing more than walking on eggshells. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that, that's what they should have done. Forget the cotton. Cotton's too soft. Mm. Well, the, the the children can get the cotton balls. I don't know how accessible the whips have been, but the children are yeah, giving out the cotton balls. What'd you say? Give me a belt. That's a whip. Give me a belt. They can get a belt. Well, you know, unfortunately, this is what's going on. <laughs> you know, it seems to be this increase in the schools everywhere you turn around they are now reporting that the children are taunting our children during this month. One way or another, they have been taunting our children this month. And this is not a normal occurrence. This stuff has not been happening, or it hasn't been brought to the light. Maybe I should say it that way. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, they've they've been taunting us all year. It just became prevalent. Now that they see it in Black History Month. I mean, but this is not something that they just started doing to us. You know, I mean, they, for, for a long time, because of their parents, they, they thought, or they still think that they're better than us. You know, but, but now because it's our month, as if we're not black all year, you know, because we have a month to be black, then, then now, you know, you do stuff and they, they correlate it with Black History Month. But they've been doing this stuff all year round. But but because it was white history month, they they, they never paid attention to uh, us being taunted. Mm, wow. Uh, Pastor KL, I don't know. You know, last week you brought up the issue of, you know, you knew and you were familiar with the school system that we were talking about out in Tuscaloosa. Um regarding the treatment and the behavior out there. And have you heard of any of this type of behavior out there in uh, children against children? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Again, you know, w- w- without without sugarcoating, Alabama is a racist state. I mean, there, there are still people... There's still towns or places that that I can't go into, and I'm grown. You know what I mean? You, you definitely don't want to be caught up there at nighttime. So racism and racism is, is a learned behavior. So if the parents think this highly of themselves, they pass it down to their children. And, again, children don't, don't know no better. This is what they believe because this is what daddy believes. This is what mama believes. I remember, I remember my, my, my dad used to tell me, don't bring nothing, no woman in here, no girl in here that's not black. You know, for a long time, I thought I could only date black folks. So this is a learned behavior. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Because as we were saying last week, kids don't care. Kids just play. Right. They just want a friend. Everybody, they friend. You ever seen? You you had you had your your kids come home. Uh, uh, Pastor Charlene and Pastor KL can't ask Pastor Jeff yet, but you ever had your kids come home and some they say so and so hit me. He said, "Who hit you, my friend?" <laughs> yeah, you know, and it was always so comical because you're like, if they hit you, they're not your friend, you know. But right. you had to really just kind of, you had to even tell them that. You had to tell mm-hmm. them that the person who was beating on them wasn't their friend. So kids, 100%. It was and it was always comical. Who hit you, my friend? What 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 this friend got a name? Who are you talking about? You know, and it, because that's what they think. You know, they don't they don't go there in their head. So you're right. You know, this this behavior is a learned behavior. They're hearing it, they're seeing it, and they're perpo- You know, they're they're pushing this across the board. And now you got your kids right. going to school with cotton balls. So I agree. You know, this is this is something that they're learning from home. And unfortunately, you know, it, it's not being helped in the school. It's really not being pushed in the school. All right. So we got this woman who's clearly being abused. Husband drives her off the cliff. She says it's him who tried to kill us. And now she's retracting her statement, asking them not to prosecute her husband. As a man, what, what do you think? Well, I mean, I, I think you ladies hit it on, 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 on the head. You know, at, at that point, she had a voice. You know what I mean? Listen, I was almost dead, so I have a voice. I'm, I'm saying what I have to say. You know, but, but from that um, religious standpoint, she knows she couldn't have said that. And, and even, if, even if the man stays in jail for the rest of his life, she's still shamed in the family. So, so the family now is looking at you sideways, not him. You know, you, you, you told your story, but you should not have told your story publicly, you know, because no one, what, what happens in, in the house stays in the house, you know, yep. and, and though you, 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 was, you was courageous and you spoke your truth, now you've learned that your truth can still put you over the cliff. So, so, so here it is that I escaped one death, but now I'm about to deal with another. Now I'm about to be stoned, you know, so I, I, think, I think that was the issue. I, I actually agree, and, and we kind of touched on it, Pastor Charlotte and myself, when we talked about the family, you know, when somebody's yeah. coming out and coming after you, you know, now you got to worry about, you know, everybody else and how, you know, you've made them look, and that's why, you know, you ain't got to worry about him as much, even though he's on the inside, because like you said, oh, everybody else got you. So it's very interesting that you, you know, you brought up, you know, you could be in the, 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 he could be in the jail for the rest of his life. But, hey, you ain't going to be able to move around for the rest of your life. You ain't going to be able to get remarried. You're not going to be able to have no more kids. You're going to live in fear for the rest of your natural life. Absolutely. Which, which, basically, which basically is saying that now, now she's in jail. She's in prison in her mind for the rest of her life. So what's the Absolutely. 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 And that's why I read the, 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 the name. 
so you could understand mm-hmm. what nationality this is because that's the way they are. That's the way they are. They're very protected. So absolutely, Pastor KL. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Let's say good morning to Pastor Jeff. Good morning, Pastor Jeff. Yes. Can you hear me? I sure can. Hello? You having problems with yeah. your phone, too? I, okay. I, I'm having I problems. It keeps off. cutting off. I can't hear you half the time. I don't know what's wrong. Okay. Okay. Well, hopefully... You got you'll be on the <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> what happened? Uh, he said you got cotton balls in your ears. <laughs> yeah. All right, Pastor Jeff. We're talking about the cotton balls in the middle. You know, they they don't want to suspend the the children who have passed out the cotton balls because they feel that if they suspend the children, it's not really going to do any good. It, when they come back to school, they're just going to do what they've been doing. Is that a reason why you don't take any steps of correction? You know, the the connection is so bad, I don't know if y'all can even hear me, but I can't hear y'all. Oh. All right, we we uh hopefully he'll call back. Hopefully he'll call back. Um we'll give him another minute to try to call back. Hopefully the connection is a little better. Cuz I would love to hear what he has to say about this before we move on to our our topic. Let's see if he calls back. He might just give up. Uh well, listen, you know, Pastor Charlotte, really quickly, um, you know, is that a reason to do nothing? You know, you don't want to suspend anybody because if you suspend them, they'll just come back to school and do what they do. No, that is not a reason because if it started with cotton balls, it's going to grow to something else. And if you don't stop it at the beginning, and like you said, where's these parents? If you don't stop it at the beginning, it's going to get out of control. We already have guns. Now we got cotton balls. What's that? So, no, they need to stop it right here and right now and bring these parents in and let them be accountable for their children. All righty. Pastor KL, you know, it, what, what else could be done, in your opinion, opposed to suspension? Well, I mean, these children have to be educated because listen, this, this is what I'll tell you. I don't, I don't care how light or how white you are. There, there is a child that has a black parent who, who, who is not so educated and who is not so nice. So, and, and, <laughs> and if, you, if, if I, I always tell folks, if I don't stand for you, don't come for me. So now, if you come for me with my child, remember, if. if the child's name is, is, is Panisha or Shaquita. Mama is crazy. So mama coming. And mama's going to explain why she does the things that she does. Because mama's going to say it words and in paragraphs and all explicit. So it's going to be quite worse than, 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 than Karen, if you will. You, know, you want to see a black Karen? 
mess with their child. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that, see, that was where my head went. I'm like, okay, so y'all don't want to suspend nobody. Because y'all figure if you suspend them, it ain't going to do no good. Well, doing nothing is not the answer. Because you let mama show up to that school and here you don't have a plan on how you are going to discipline the children who disrespected and made her children feel bad or you in trouble. I agree 100%. I agree 100%. You you really don't want that parent up at that school. So y'all walking on eggshells for the wrong set of parents. Because <laughs> them other parents right. show up to school. Pastor KL, I agree with you 100%. They shutting the whole school down. Now, y'all, y'all going to need more than just a, a PTA meeting. More than the people. No, be more than them toy. Them, them, them toy cops who ain't got no guns or nothing. Them, them, the security okay. out there ain't doing to a black parent. It ain't That's right. Nope. And, and Pastor Charlene is is asking, you know, where are the parents? Oh, parents will be there, all right. The parents gonna show up because by the time they get there, they, it's gonna, it's, as they say, it's gonna be some smoke in the city. <laughs> wow. All right, we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk about different topics. Um, yesterday, Shantice gave a, um, what do you call it, her switch tip. Her switch tip was, don't be afraid to help someone else be great. And as I was talking this morning, it it came to mind when you know you're you're dealing with someone and you're trying to encourage them you know into their greatness and there's resistance you know sometimes you get resistance as a friend sometimes you get resistance as a sibling or coworker but there's no resistance like pastoral resistance how many times have you been pushing for a congregant to step out of and let's stop there. Let's let's stop there. Let's 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 just stop there. Pastor Charlotte, we're gonna start with you. You know, you see your congregant is an absolute mess. They know they're a mess. And you're trying to get them from, you know, behaving this way and you're trying to you know reroute their thoughts and their behavior and their you know the things that they say what kind of resistance have you run up against you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> um run up to where that um you don't know what I've been through. Um, also, what is another favorite one that they say? Um, at my own time. So a lot of times that you can encourage them, but they don't see nothing. Um, you've been saying that to me. This is, oh, this is another one. So you've been saying that, and yes, I've been hearing you preach that. And 
but I just I'm comfortable where I am. I don't I don't want to go no further. Um, and I I accept uh, Christ, but this is all that I need to do. Oh, okay. So as you continue to push away from with when God is speaking to you or when someone is trying to encourage you or trying to, because I am truly one that I will stay with you, continue to talk with you until you continue to keep pushing my hand, right? So my thing is, when are you going to get out of your way? How do you get out of your way? And then you find that once after you, they hear you, but it's the uh, people that they are surrounded with. And that's where, if you want change, you're going to have to get all the negative and all of that voice that you're listening to of your own self in your head and be able to rebuke all of that. Be able to come around people that are going to encourage you. And that's what I find, that what happens is because you can help them and they'll take one step, but somebody that doesn't want them to get no further, that's in their circle. It could be in their household. It could be their friends. It could be even other people within the ministry Mm -hmm. because they don't want you to go nowhere either because they're not going anywhere. And that happens a lot in the ministry of God's people. Wow. 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 Pastor KL, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, when you're trying to help, you know, a congregant, you know, as a pastor, you know, get just out of. We're not even talking about getting to. Get about two. We're not even going there yet. But just trying to shift them, help them make the shift out of part the, 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 the lifestyle that they're in and the resistance you run in, you know, you run up against. Well, I mean, these things are difficult, you know, a lot of times. You know, y'all hear me say all the time, if you're not, if you don't feel convicted, you won't be converted. So, first of all, when you have this conversation, a lot of folks say, you know, why y'all keep telling me that? That right there has already proven that it's not me saying it. So other people see it. So even though other people see it, you're still not believing that it's you, you know, because you don't think that you have a problem unless Unless you feel pain, you're not going to go to the doctor. You know, unless the medicine didn't work, you're not going to try to get a prescription. So sometimes we, we, we see things. God has allowed us to see things. And we come and we want to witness to you and we want to tell you, baby, you need to turn your life around. But you don't feel no pain. You don't, you don't, you don't feel the rain on yourself. So you think everything is sunshine. Now, now every now and then you might hit a, hit a hiccup. But you don't believe that that hiccup is because I'm not following God. You don't believe that, that what I'm going through is because I'm not living right. You just think that it's circumstances. It's just, it's just coincidental. You know, but again, unless, you know, you start believing and you start looking at yourself in the mirror and you start stripping the clothes and the wigs and the eyes, you start stripping yourself and seeing yourself for who you are, 
no matter how much I, I, I minister to you, no matter, no matter how much I preach to you, how many times you've been in the, in, in the pulpit and you preaching and they amening you to death and you think they're getting it, but they're still going out there living the life that they're living. So, so yeah, on the, on, in the church building, you know, it looks like I've I, I hit you. It, it looks like that God is getting to you. But as, as Pastor Sean said, but when I get to my familiar place, when I get to the people who know me, you know, people don't want you to be better than them sometimes. It's like a bunch of crabs in, 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 in a battle. And what happens is that if I let you be great, then I lose you because I know I can't stand it. I can't stand with you. I, I, I'm not as good as you. So I got to make you believe that you're just like me. You're just like a crab. How dare you think you can find Jesus and everything will be all right? Uh, uh. Y'all were saying some stuff this morning. You know, no matter what, you know, it's, here's, here's a question, and it may sound like a silly question, but, you know, I, I want us to talk about this today. You know, you find people who have been in church forever, people who have um, given their life to the Lord, quote, unquote, um, many, many years ago, and yet you are still you still haven't grown, you still haven't moved, you still won't pick up your Bible, you still won't come out to Bible study, you still won't um, make the changes like you both have said, you know, you still won't change your, 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 your company, the company that you keep, and you see a gift in a person, you see the potential. You see um, what God has given that individual. How do you encourage them and try to still use them in church? Pastor Charlotte. They've been sitting in that church for 50 years. That's the first thing they say. And this is my seat because of familiar. This is what I know. This is, I, you know, what I find is because the leader has not challenged them. Um, I remember when I first um, started and there were some people that was from other places and they were so used to not carrying no Bible they were so used to of not um, participating, which meaning, like you said, coming out, coming to uh, Bible study, or if you had uh, outreach ministry, you know, doing something, they wouldn't do that. So here I come, and then I come to challenge you. So if I know that you, for example, um, you just sitting there, you're not doing anything, and I always tell them it takes the whole it's like we are a whole team it's going to take all of us and when we put all our gifts together you know you're able to figure out which way God has you to go for you to be able to do that so one lady she sang she she loved to sing all right so my thing was I'm going to encourage you to do that 
Now, I wouldn't put you out there, you know, for you just to do a solo, but join, you know, the choir, you know, and where that you will meet other people because it still goes back of people being stuck of where when you leave out of this place, what are you doing the other six days? And when you're not being around people like-minded that wants more of Jesus, that wants to be able to do things in the body of Christ, if you're not around them for them to be able to pull you out, you're going to stay. And the lady said, well, nobody never asked me. Nobody asked me if I'm able to do anything. And I was like, but you've been in this church forever. Forever. And they never saw anything in you. If they did, they never said nothing to me. And that's where people become comfortable and they stay there. So I had to be the one to be able to push you out there. You know, come sing with me. So y'all stop laughing. <laughs> oh, and, and I, but I encouraged her. And now she was able to do her gift. And I said, well, listen, y'all know I can't sing. But if I get up there and do a little something-something, y'all need to come on. Y'all that can sing. Amen, amen, amen. Watch yourself. Watch yourself, sir. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I heard your amens too, Pastor Steph. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. But to encourage <laughs> you to do something, you know. So that's what I had to do. Ah, Pastor KL, you know, you they've been in church forever. You're seeing, you know, what the potential is. You see the gift or gifts that they have. How do you encourage them within the church? How do you get them active inside the church? I, I think you start having real real conversations, you know, and, and you try to bond, you know, a, a relationship, you try to build a relationship. You know, a, a lot of times when you just fix somebody in the corner, they just become the wallflower. They they just stay in the corner. And and I'm just going to come to church. I'm going to wave my hand every now and then. You know what I mean? But but, but when, when we have people in the church, we want to get them involved, you know, uh, have the spirit of discernment, see what their gift is. You know, some, some folks just, just do good as an usher, you know, and, and, and understanding an usher is not an easy job. You know what I mean? But, but you see people who, who have a pleasant smile or, pleasant attitude you know some some people just want to go around and dust the pews you know i i feel that a lot of times when your job or, or in church if you just give them a sense of responsibility then they'll come out you know saying and, and, and they'll, they'll grow and if if someone is seeing that someone is noticing me i'm here on the side but someone picked picked me out to be picked on then 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 yes i i, I want to learn more because now I want to become just like you. You know, how, how is it that, that you've seen me from across the room? You know, what was it about me then? If you can see it, I need to see it too. I want to learn it too. I want to grow into that person that you already seen that, that I had not tapped into it. All right. Amen, amen. And now we're – yes. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say this too that a lot of times, too, when people are sitting there because there's so many people which becomes, as a leader's fault, is because you put this person in this 
position instead of them retiring because they can't do it. And then you see somebody else that can come in because everything that we need is really in the house. If you sit and tap time and take time out and talk to people and being able to see, you know, and for them to be able to get their feet wet, you know, to do something. But if we don't, some people you have to continue to push. Like that was me at the beginning. I'm not, I don't want to do that. I'm good just sitting right here. And that's what I find that is so many people because there's so many family uh, churches, you know, so my sister in it, and she can't do it right. But I know that this lady that's sitting right here, she's able to do it. And then if you just give people a chance and being able to have that conversation and be able to encourage them and see, because everything that you need in your congregation is pretty much in the house already, to be able to move forward and being able to cover everything that you need to do for the kingdom. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I want to talk about trying to help to move that congregant into greatness. You know, the the switch tip was don't be afraid to help someone else be great. And you know, that's that's our that's our role as leadership to just help them to see the greatness that God has placed in them. And how, how I, I want to take this to, to be a part. I want to talk about the personal feeling as a leader. How do you feel when you see the potential and you're trying to, to, to call out um, the things that would help to make this person um, great? the things that would help them go to the next level. How do you feel when you're up against that level of resistance? And it's like, I'm knocking on your door. This your door. I'm knocking on your door to help you, but yet you don't want what God has given you. How does that make you feel? Pastor Charlene, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Um, me personally, I get a little angry. I, I have done that because I see so much in you, and I am willing to ride with you. I'm that ride with you all the way to the end and to encourage you um, to stay on your back because, like I said, sometimes some people need that. But if you don't say yes, um and doing it, not just saying yes with our mouth, because we will have a habit of saying, oh, yes, I'm going to do it, and then you don't show up, you know, or you, that particular time, is time for you to do something, you don't even come to the service at all. You don't get no phone call or anything, and you leave for a while, and then when you come back later, like, we forgot. And so I always try to, first I go to God to see which way I can talk to you because now I'm getting into myself. Like I said, I become angry. So I'm getting into me, and I know that that is not where I should be, right? So now I have to go back, repay, ask God to help and guide me because I see so much in this person. 
And I have done that in where that you just constantly keep pushing away. And I don't want you to get pushed so far where that you leave and never come back. So I had to back up off of you, you know what I mean, and being able to just to pray and ask God, God, you got to show them in another kind of direction. And then one time we had went to another church, and when we was there, it was a lady that was giving a testimony. And when they give their testimony, all I had to do was turn around and look at the person. Didn't say nothing. Just look at them. They looked at me, put their head down, and said, I know, Pastor. And I left it alone. And I said, wow. I said, thank you, Lord, because God is able to show you what I've been saying to you in another kind of way. And now that you can receive it. And it's so funny. It's just like our children. You can say something, and I'll come along, and I'll say it to them, and they'll get it. And that's what sometimes you have to do. You have to sometimes, you have to back up a little bit and let them be able to see it in another kind of direction. That's what I found that works for me. All right, all right. Pastor KL, you know, what, what, how does that leave you to feel when it seems like you're working harder than the individual who you're working with? You're trying to get them to their greatness. Well, yeah, for, for, for me, I mean, it, it's just a little different because I, I, I do understand the, the, the whole the, the, the whole project because I once was, was that person, you know, who somebody kept on telling me, hey, you need to be a preacher. Uh, God has called you to preach. God has, I see greatness in you. And, and I would leave and go back in my secret place and try to make deals with God. Well, God, you know, I sing. I want to pray for you. Just leave me alone. Ain't that enough? Ain't that enough? You know, and, 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 and sometimes, you know, we see a lot as pastors, we always want to create our Joshua because we never want the ministry to die. So sometimes we see a Joshua in somebody. But, again, they have to be able to see it in themselves. So you can keep on, you know, speaking and keep on in, in, encouraging. You know, the Bible says that, that some plant, some water, but God will give the increase. So, so uh, until God gives the increase, and God, uh, until God shows it to them for themselves, you know, it's hard. We keep on speaking. We can, we can keep on speaking life into their, into their situation. We, we can speak, keep on speaking prosperity. But until they get a hold of the word, until it, until they catch on fire for themselves, you know, we, we, we find ourselves in a frustrated state because we see how great you can be. You just have not tapped into it. But we have to let go and let God have his way. All righty, all righty. Well, we're going to take this opportunity to speak to our listeners. And just in case that listener has a leader who is trying to help to walk them into, you know, their greatness, you know, far be it from you not to assist, far be it from you that God gives you that vision and that view, but yet they don't have it. Talk to our listeners, uh, Pastor Charlotte, don't tell me what you would say. Tell them. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, don't fight against the leader when they say that 
God has shown them something for you to do. My thing is always, how can I help you help you? And you have to be able to go to God as well. I always say that you go to God if, if I say something and you're not sure or you disagree with, go to God and act him. Let him guide you and let him be able to show you what we see. I know sometimes you'd be like, oh, no, I can't do that because that was me. Oh, no, um, I don't see that in myself. That was me. But I want to encourage you just to try it and to stand on. God is not going to fail you. If he sees something greater in us that we will never see ourselves doing, how would you know that you can't do something unless you try it? And sometimes when you try it, you might even end up liking it. And where that you're able to give your testimony to help someone else along the way and to be able to help build up the kingdom and in the ministry that you're in. It gives a lot of weight off the pastor if everybody will get on one accord and let's all come for the same reason and to be able to let God do what God does and for us to stay encouraged with each other. And we all have our days when we don't feel that we should be used. We've all been there, you know, because, you know, I'm not worthy of it. Okay, our past is our past. Struggle on to push forward because there's so many things that we push forward in that is not of God. So why not try Jesus? Why not try the gift that he has given you? So continue to press forward and encourage your sisters and your brothers to come with you and to be able to, let's be able for God's kingdom to become better because we are the body. Be that hand, be that foot, be that ear, whatever God called you, be that voice. Don't, we don't have no time now. Look what's going on around us. We have to be able to get right with God, and this is your opportunity to get right with God. Ask him for forgiveness, for dragging your feet, not seeing, coming up against the leader, and press forward. And ask the pastor, how can I help? What do you see within me? God bless you. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Charlene. Pastor KL, what would you tell the listeners? What are you telling them about, you know, when you have an opportunity to walk in your greatness? Well, what I would tell you is that denial and procrastination is a poison in the body of Christ. And, and, and this is what I would say. A lot of times when your pastor or your leader or a man or woman of God says something to you, you already know it because God has already spoken to you. So when the man or woman comes and tells you the same thing, it's just a confirmation to what you already heard and what you, what you in your mind wants to say, well, was that God or was that the enemy? It was not. You know, when God speaks to you, sometimes God has to send you a messenger, you know, with a message to deliver you out of your mess and to help you to understand who you are and who you are in God. You know, a lot of times we say, oh, I'm not ready. Oh, he can't use me. Yes, he can use you. You, too, can be used by God. 
you know, and, and we have to get into a place where we keep on praying for things. We keep on praying for greatness. And God is saying, listen, in order for you to get where you want to get to, you have to get in me. You have to have me get in you. We have to become one. I have to take you to the next level. I have to order your footsteps. You can't just pray and just walk your own way. I have to tell you how to get to that next level. But because we're in denial, no, not me. I done did this last night. I done drank last night. I, I done fornicated. I done did all this stuff. But you too can be delivered. You too can be healed. You too can stop doing those things which is not of God. But you have to step out on faith. Faith without works is dead. You can speak it all in your mouth if you want to. But if you don't work the work, the work won't work for you. So understanding that God is saying, I can use you even where you are, even as a broken crayon. I can still use you. So allow me to use you. Allow me to get you to the next level. Trust me. Trust me and trust the process, and everything will work for you. Amen. Amen, Pastor Charlene. Amen, Pastor KL. Thank you so much for your contribution and encouraging our listeners to move into the greatness of God. And we pray you have a blessed day. You all are the same. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Let's take this time to hold hands and hold hearts and go before the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you, God, as we enter into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, because you spoke and we woke up. You spoke and we were here this morning to hear a word from you. You spoke and your word said, turn on, turn up. And here we are holding hands and holding hearts together. God, the word has been given. And we're so grateful to Heavenly Father that the news, the very news is used as a guide. The very news that we talk about is used as an example as to what we should do and what we shouldn't do, where we need to be, where we shouldn't be. How we could potentially be the news. And we give you thanks, God, that you invest in us each and every day. That even when we don't deserve it, you still continue to be right there and you still continue to give. You still continue to be kind. You still continue to love. We're thanking you, Father, for all that you continuously give. Again, even when we're over on the side where we don't belong, but you always make yourself available to us, how can we say thank you? When man would have left us a long time ago, but you're still hanging out. You're still hanging in there with us. Thank you. When you should have left, but you didn't. Because you sent someone for us. 
You sent someone to speak into our life. You sent someone to help to, you know, carry us along. You sent someone to advise. You sent someone to encourage. You sent someone to support. You sent someone to drag. Because sometimes we're so heavy laden that we just can't move on our own. You sent someone to carry us. You sent someone to pat on ourselves behind. And we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. You've been so marvelous. You've been so great. You've been so good. You've been so wonderful to each and every one of us. We ask you, the Heavenly Father, that you be with Pastor Jeff and you keep him safe today, keep him covered, that the word that you have in his mouth and his heart would always be ready, always be ready to just spew out so that another life might be changed. Lord, we're lifting your name on high because you have created each and every one of us. We have been fearfully and wonderfully made. We all have the potential of greatness. But we pray to Heavenly Father that there's an awareness that comes down the pipeline, that regardless of where we come from, that you can change and turn around anything. Regardless of what we've experienced, that you can turn around and change anything. Regardless when people said that we weren't going to be a, I mean, nothing. You had the power to turn it around and change everything. And we thank you for every due time crew member that you have changed and turned around. Because if it were not for you, we would not be where we are. If it weren't for you telling us we were great in what we do, we wouldn't be who we are. So we say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We can't thank you enough for how you love us, how you take care of us. And we can't thank you enough for how you use us. We may not be to where we want to be, where we feel we can be used, but as it's been said, we know that you can take whatever part of us and use us. You want to use us wholly, but you're never short of being able to use whatever portion of us that you need. So we say thank you one more time. We love you, and we give you the glory and honor, so rightly do your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. You know, I remember when, you know, you first, um, you know, when the church was getting started, and, you know, you ask, you know, who wants to sing, who wants to dance, who wants to do this, who wants to do that? And we started on that path. And then at one point, the Lord said, no. Everybody will do everything. 
And I was like, oh, okay. And when we sang, we all sang, you know, whether some sang a little better than others, everybody sang. And, you know, we had those who sang, who sang a little better than the others. And that's who got the solos. You know, we, we all danced. And, you know, it was layered. You know, God is amazing. <laughs> He's amazing. You know, you, you you found something for those who couldn't dance to do. Those who were pretty good, you found something for them to do. And the ones who were a little better at it, you found something for them to do. And as it has been said, the body made up the choir, the body made up the dance, you know, the dance troupe, if you will. And you marvel at God because, again, you know, could you use Mary to sing the solo? No, but Mary may have been strong enough to, again, be in the choir to add, you know, and accentuate, you know, whatever they could do. Same thing with the dancers. And it was interesting because later on, it was said, you know, I always wanted to be in a choir. But I knew I never had a voice to, quote, unquote, be in a choir. Because you have those churches where, you know, you audition and, you know, the the best ones are out there singing. And I, I, that's nothing to do with right or wrong. It's just that's the way they did it. So, therefore, people who were not able to sing as well, you know, they, they, they weren't able to join. And then you had someone who said, I always wanted to dance. And when I was younger, you know, I tried to dance. I auditioned and everybody laughed at me and I didn't make, you know, the dance team and I vowed I would never dance again or I figured I would never try again, either one of those. And here they are, they're dancing. And you marvel at God because, again, I asked, you know, who wants to be, who wants to do? And God said no. Because, see, God was using all of those things to build confidence. God was using all those things as discipline. You know, you know, you have to be disciplined. You know, listen, I come from greatness. I come from a grandmother who she had zero dollars, but you would never know it. You know, she didn't care. She had the harpist. She had the orchestra. She it, it didn't matter. A dollar didn't matter. All she had was the vision, and she said, do it big, and that's all I know. That's all I know. That's all I know. And, you know, being in school and, and working hard, and, you know, she made sure we went to piano lessons and, you know, going to school. I, I you know, learned the violin and things like that. I come from greatness. I come from being 
pushed. I come from when you're in front of people, you don't stand there with your finger in your mouth. No. The pastor Steph you see now is what was given to me as a child. And when you knew what you were talking about, when you knew what you were doing, you were bold. When you knew what you were doing, you put it out there. And when you didn't know and you weren't that confident, you got that confidence built. You were supported. You were pushed. Auntie Pam had her little choir in the church, and the church was the choir. <laughs> we were singing to Uncle Jimmy and maybe two other people, and but the choir was there. We sang. It was confidence built. And and with this group, with this ministry, that's what he gave me. I work them. I don't have a problem. Why? Because God needs to build greatness, and that is the only way he is going to build it is if you push. You cannot become great being at level one and Staying at level one. You cannot be great when no one is working with you. You cannot be great when there's not a support system underneath you who's telling you you can be great. I come from leadership. When she saw what you were able to do, whether you were confident or not, she was like, oh, this is what you're going to do. Just come on up here. You're not going to sit in the back of the church. Come on up here. This is what you're going to do. And you were doing things that you never imagined you were doing or you could do. You never saw yourself doing it. But God gave her that view. And that's, that's something that you have to understand that your leader is given a view, a vision of who and what you are. That's why their leadership, that's why you need to follow leadership. When leadership is pushing you to greatness, don't backtalk. When leadership is pushing you to greatness, stop resisting. When leadership is pushing you to greatness, shut up. I'm, 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 shut up and trust God. And Pastor Charlene, I think, was the one who said it. Go to God. You know, I, I always say to y'all, the first thing I ask, what did God say? Because you will never get encouraged for nothing. You will never get pushed or supported for nothing. Trust the God you say you serve. You've been listening to It's Do Power Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my two-time crew for coming through big time, and I want to thank you for hanging out with us today. Please do not miss that opportunity to give God your life right now. Please do not miss the opportunity to just, I mean, strengthen, strengthen, strengthen that relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, 
Where is Wow Wednesday, God's fist? I love you.